Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia Obama. Welcome back to the Femi Pod for episode number 24. Thank you to everyone who has tuned in so far. I'm here with Esther as always, and our guest this week is an incredible female who we actually spoke about in the podcast last week. Hannah Carrera has a background in law and commerce with four years experience in the corporate world, but in 2016, her interest in holistic wellness inspired her to leave her corporate role and pursue psychology studies in her home country, New Zealand. Hannah has been helping me personally through her work by focusing on the deep layers of self and combining modern understandings of the human psyche alongside knowledge of ancient wisdom traditions. Her work empowers and liberates people with self-awareness tools to create a life in alignment with their authentic self. Welcome to the pod, Hannah. How are you today? Oh, thank you. I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, we're good. (laughs) Really good. We'll dive straight into question number one. We love that you connect the science of how the mind works to the idea that there is so much more than just science at play when it comes to the brain. What was it or was there a moment that made you realize you had an interest in connecting psychology to spirituality? Hmm. I don't know if there was a specific moment. I've always been really fascinated in spirituality, even when I didn't know that's what it was. I think when I was really little, I was really just... I guess imaginative and would ponder things and would just sort of sit outside and close my eyes in the sun and mum was like what is this little person doing but I always then kind of was exploring self-healing modalities and reading books like Heal Your Life and books by Deepak Chopra when I was really young and I guess they sort of spoke to psychological aspects um, and then Growing up, I was just a very observant person. I would be quite nosy around people's private lives. And I think that led me to want to explore psychology alongside spirituality. And it was more something that I kind of did in my own time. And it was a natural a natural thing that I was interested in. It wasn't necessarily something that I had to go out and get a book to read about it. It was something I was doing in my own time anyway, if that if that yeah is making sense but then as I grew older as Lydia mentioned I went and did you know a law and commerce degree and kind of went down a different track because it was something that my dad had said I would be good at and I think I just took that as okay that's what I'm doing and didn't really think about actually I could go and follow something I'm really passionate about and do something with my life that was just aligned to something that I liked I think work and play sort of seemed like separate things at that time but then yeah over time I realized there were different ways I could blend the two uh, concepts and when I did my yoga teacher training I got really into the yogic philosophy and the way of seeing the world through um, a more eastern viewpoint and then when I went back to university and studied psychology I was then viewing the psychology through more of that yogic viewpoint. So it naturally began to blend again. So there's a few different ways, I guess, it pieced itself together. But 
it's always sort of been there throughout my life. I don't think there was one specific moment in time, but it's just got stronger and stronger. That's why I found what you do so interesting because it isn't just one way or the other. And I think that's like the best way the world works is when we have these different viewpoints that all come together. And I think the science is obviously facts and it's there and it's easy for people to understand, but the spirituality and the spiritual side of what you speak about I believe is heavily there because I can feel it, but a lot of people are more closed off to spirituality. I think a lot of people find it really hard to get their head around and they're just closed off to learning to understand it more. Why do you think that is? And can you go into some more detail around how you see the universe working around us? Yeah, I think that we live in a world that really values logic and quantifying things and measuring things. And, you know, I don't think we need to wait for a quantum physicist to measure love or to measure um, happiness. There are some things that we just naturally feel, but sometimes because we've been so stripped away from our intuition, it can feel harder to accept something when we can't neatly define it into a box. And I think that comes down to, yeah, just our, our intuitive abilities not being nurtured from a really young age. And I think that it sort of ties in with the industrial revolution and when spirituality and science actually became more severed. And I think that was a way of um, kind of the patriarchy stripping away our power especially as women because we're very connected to our intuition and when, when we have people who trust themselves um that kind of takes away powers from other from other people who might be able to control them and so I could go into kind of a few different um reasons why I think we're not so connected to spirituality and our intuition these days and you can even hear people um coin it woo woo and kind of dismiss it but We've all had felt experiences. We all know what it's like when, say, you hold a child or even you see a puppy running up to you. Like you just feel these excited feelings and it's not something that you can really put into or you can possibly put it into a Petri dish and measure what's going on. But at the end of the day, we do have these deep knowing feelings inside and sometimes it's validating to see oh, yeah, there is an explanation for this. But I also think there's so much wisdom that we have within us. Even the fact we look at a weather app these days to tell us what the weather is. Way back when we didn't have to use weather apps, our bodies were just kind of picking up on what was going to happen in our environment. If we stripped ourselves away from all of the things like our apps and our technology, I think we would have much more connection to our ourselves and, our, and that spiritual part of who we are because it's actually a really reliable system but um, it's easy to just kind of outsource those things these days with the technology we have. Um, but yeah, I mean, does that kind of answer your question? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's mental. Like some of the time you think about how much of your day you've spent like on a screen and like being distracted by so many things around you. And have you actually spent that much time just with yourself? Like, I think what you are just saying there is like the society that we live in at the moment, we don't really spend that much time just with ourselves and our own thoughts mm -hmm. and thinking. Um, and like you say, you know, that's probably really affected how people feel in tune with spirituality or if they're not at all 
Um, but yeah, that was a really cool way to describe it. Um, obviously, let's said before that we've already talked about you and we talked about you last week on our podcast because we dove a little bit deeper into our mental health battles and how the traumas we've faced, whether big or small, have shaped us into how we are today and how we see the world. Can you go into more detail about our inner child and why it's so important to acknowledge these experiences that we've had? Yeah, the inner child is so, so important because it basically forms the foundation of our belief systems and our subconscious programming that we run day to day in our lives right here and now. And I think going back into our childhood and kind of reflecting on our experiences really helps for us to then understand the foundation which we're operating on. And we have these different memories that can definitely be considered traumatic. Um, I personally treat the word trauma to mean a memory that has a really strong emotional charge attached to it. And when we're growing up, we all experience different levels of, you know, shame and pain due to really different contextual um, situations. And it's, it's what we, it's how we interpreted life as a child that will will determine whether it was traumatic or not. And whether we perceived it to be really, really painful will then determine whether that is a trauma that we carry um, going forward. And when we're young, that's when our brain is the most influential and that's when that subconscious mind is much more forward. And so all of those experiences that we have, um, we basically start to figure out um, how we should operate in order to receive love from the world and where we experienced, you know, moments of validation in our childhood we'll often start to repeat those patterns of behavior in our adult lives because we know that that's where we will receive love going forward. So it could be that you were a really jokey kid. And so going forward, because you received love when you were little, you know, you have to be the humorous person in situations as an adult. And that will usually sort of follow suit, whatever was um, praised as a young child, you'll kind of hold on to that and hinge your worthiness on that growing up. And then on the other hand, where maybe you felt, shame or fear in your childhood you'll do everything in your power to avoid those kind of situations in your adult lives and literally as humans it's super simple we're hardwired to seek out pleasurable situations or seek out situations where we receive love and then avoid situations that are painful and we go through this kind of filtration system in our subconscious with everything that we're doing is this going to help me um receive pleasure or is it going to help me avoid pain and we just kind of follow those things without even being consciously aware of it so going back and really reviewing uh, your childhood going back and even reviewing like your teenage years and thinking about memories that maybe were embarrassing or hard even if they weren't like explicitly traumatic and they don't seem like they should have a strong hold on you going back to those memories that spark some kind of emotional feeling within you will always contain nuggets of gold that you can kind of go down the rabbit hole and work with and that's what I guess yeah I have been doing a little bit of with Lydia and I I hope that it's been um, powerful in, in terms of yeah the aha moments that you get and I know for myself personally doing inner child work it's an incredibly empowering experience because I kind of looked back on my childhood and was like oh no I think it was I think it was pretty good it was 
you know, typical nice family home and it wasn't anything probably super dramatic, but then you just have to think it's it's all relative. And in my experience, I have definitely experienced shame, pain, embarrassment, fear, and all sorts of different ways. And going into those memories and feelings um, and healing them has been profound in the way I can then show up more confidently as an adult now. Yeah. And what I guess I'm keen to understand more around also is that when we talk about the inner child, it doesn't always have to be traumatic or negative, right, Hannah? Like, I think about my inner child and who I am now and that like I'm a driven person and I want to succeed in whatever way I see success but I think a lot of that was because I was rewarded for doing good things and being you know winning races or doing well at school I was rewarded for that as a kid and I'm kind of thankful that I was because now I'm still chasing that for that same reward like can it also be a positive thing? 100% there's always a positive when there's like a limiting belief it will always have some kind of um yeah positive ripple effect in terms of the way you show up it's just the one thing you want to catch yourself on is if your worthiness depends on that um you know achievement going forward and when you can realize actually my worthiness is completely that um irrespective of what I'm achieving out in the world it all comes back to my like inner world and inner fulfillment then you can start to kind of work with those gifts and understand that you know how to tap into that drive when you need it but you also know that it's not the be all and end all and you're you're worthy whole and complete just as you are but the question around it's not all negative it's absolutely not and I think it's really important when you are exploring the inner child to also make note of the gifts that you've received from your experiences as well. And for the listeners who are trying to partly understand why they are the way they are and how the inner child has affected them to be the person they are today, how can they go about doing this? And um, what do you think you could suggest to help them find what they need to find? It's such a a big um, topic to explore. So I think even going back and I really like the exercise of just writing down the different ages of your life that I've gone through with you, or it's writing down on a page, um, zero, one, two, three, four, up until I, I'd say about 18, or you can continue to go through twenties, even thirties, however old you are, but especially zero to 18, because that's when, um, we tend to have a lot of emotional charge attached to our memories. So zero to 18, going back and reflecting on each year of those, Um, of your life at that age and just jotting down a couple of memories that feel significant Um, and it's it doesn't have to be an exercise you put a lot of pressure on yourself to come up with the the most memorable experience it's just like the lowest hanging fruit in that moment what is the top of mind memory that comes to mind oh when I was 18 went to a school ball or whatever it was you know just start to jot down a few things and it just starts to actually jig your memory um you might not remember certain years that's totally normal but to just start to jot down memories from your past you'll probably start to find that oh that memory just I I get an emotional feeling when I write that down and that's where I would say okay go into that and explore that and what did that 18 year old self or 12 year old self really need in that moment and just starting to build that kind of dialogue or relationship with your younger self 
it, it doesn't have to be hard and heavy. You can do it in, in kind of piecemeal ways because you don't want to be actually going into something that does feel super um, traumatic or scary because that's we want to do this in a sustainable way and in a gentle way. Um, and by doing things little and often, I think we actually start to get somewhere more than trying to do this really heavy and hard work all at once. But that could be a really nice exercise for people to just have a go at home with. Yeah, amazing. And I found that um, work so beneficial. And like, I've definitely found it hard. Like I think going back to those memories, but for some of the years, I had specific memories and moments that I really remembered really well. And then I just had more around energies and feelings and emotions when I think about those certain ages. So it was really beneficial, but it was hard. But I've like, I feel like I've already learned a lot from doing that and I'm still searching now. So yeah, it's, I would suggest everybody to go and give it a go, even if it is just a few years of your younger life, right? Without doing the entire 18, if that feels too daunting, I feel like even if it is just like five, 10 and 15, that would still help too, right? And I do want to just make a disclaimer that if, you know, if you have had um, memories that, that feel really like more kind of capital T traumatic um, or they just feel really hard, I would encourage working with like a practitioner or having support around you because it can be quite an intense um, exercise. It just kind of really depends on what yeah your childhood was like and where your mental health is at at the time. Uh, so as women, we've grown up in a patriarchal society that we believe has had huge impacts on who we are now and how women in general act or react in certain situations, mostly around lack of self-confidence. What do you think women can do to help change this and build our self-confidence? Mm, I think connecting woman to woman, like sisterhood, is really, really important. Um, that way we can just really... Yeah, I think women's circles are becoming more popular, which I'm loving. And obviously you guys are, are facilitating things like that, which is so beautiful. Um, but I think just trusting ourselves more is a huge piece of building up, um, you know, co confidence just purely by kind of what I was mentioning before around trusting our intuitive abilities and our emotionally aware capabilities because as women we do have more emotional I, I don't want to say emotional intelligence like as a whole but there is definitely more emotional attunement um if you look into certain yogic um philosophies and things you see that the energetic body of a woman is very different to that of a man and I do think that there are actually um I'm not an expert in it but scientific experiments that have shown um yeah when you look into a a woman's aura we could say or that bioplasmic auric field around the body there is more of a attunement to something else so paying attention to what your emotions are giving you information around and paying attention to your intuition and taking action on that I think is one way to just start building confidence um the more we take action on our, on our intuitive knowing, the more we start to build trust in ourselves. And it just is this beautiful kind of positive cycle that we get into. Um, and then I think cheering on other women, I think there's kind of this wounding as well in society where we sort of feel like we have to tear down other women or we have to be the only woman in a situation in order to, to achieve success. So I think it's really important for us to bring each other 
up. It's not so much stomping on other people to get to the top. I sort of see that as more of the patriarchal model. I think in more of the matriarchal model, it's more circular and more inclusive and letting everyone's light shine and allowing everyone to be their own unique, beautiful selves rather than having one person at the top dominating. But those are kind of a few things that I would say. Mm-hmm. I totally, yeah, we agreed. I think the idea of like building each other up and like believing in each other and having trust in each other as females, I think is so important. And something we talk about a lot is um, I, especially in Australia and New Zealand, the tall poppy syndrome and pulling people down, especially women pulling women down um, because they're succeeding at something is just like the last thing and the worst thing for us to be doing. So the idea of like actually encouraging each other and I think there's even the idea of, you know, the imposter syndrome, I feel like it definitely affects women a lot more than it affects men. And it all comes down to their lack of confidence that we have in ourselves as well. But I think there's some beauty and movement. And for us, it's running. And for you, it's yoga. And, you know, for women, other women, it's maybe something different, but there is something in that movement that creates that confidence in ourselves that we believe you can take that confidence into all areas of your life so that's why we encourage so many women to to move and we obviously are biased to running but we encourage women to do any movement that feels right for them because um, through that we can build that confidence you can connect to other people you can start actually celebrating other people through sport and through movement as well so yeah everything you said we're totally on board with yeah I think I um something I really love about that and just like dropping into your body is also obviously feeling into what your body feels like every day because I think in kind of a masculine oriented world there's this idea that we need to have a lot of kind of consistency and be go 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 every single day and I really like um, the analogy of seeing the woman like the moon and I guess the masculine energy more like the sun whereas the sun can be kind of consistent every single day nine to five kind of thing Um, as a woman I think it's knowing that on some days you might feel lower in energy on other days you might be more high in energy and working with you know your cycles and just knowing that it ebbs and it flows and trusting when the energy is off you're meant to kind of be in that recharge mode and when it's on go out there shine and I think embracing that that it's not always a consistent thing every day is quite a good thing as a female to be specifically aware of. Actually on that i really interested in this around the idea that the menstrual cycle for a textbook traditional menstrual cycle it's 28 days which aligns to the month which aligns to the universe and I have never done any reading into it but I know there is some stuff out there do you know and can you explain to us like how and why the female body is just like obviously so connected to the universe like the way that we shed and our hormonal fluctuations happen every month do you know much about that? And is there anything you can share with us? I'll, I'll disclaimer, I'm not an expert in this field, but I definitely think, one, I think it's really important for women to follow the cycle of the moon and track their energy because even regardless of where they're at in their cycle, I think there will be um, a connection you can make with, oh, around the full moon, um, I'm really high energy. Or some people find that they actually bleed on a full moon or a new moon, which is kind of like, flex in the spiritual communities <laughs> it's not an imperative but like you um you definitely also hear of you know people treating 
the bleed like the winter phase of their month, meaning that it's more of an introverted time, go inward, tend to yourself. And then ovulation is like the summer and it's your peak and you're going out there and you're, you kind of want to dress up and be seen and you're more confident. And that's maybe when you do the marathon or you've got more of that energy, but, um, and then you kind of, yeah, go through the typical cycle of the seasons. So yeah, you can treat it like that. Um, but I do think that there's definitely that really strong connection that females especially have to the moon. So even if it was just for a few months tracking the cycle of the moon and noting how you're feeling, I used to, um, back in my corporate role, I knew that after the full moon, I would be um, really, really exhausted, mainly because I don't sleep on a full moon, but I would have this kind of high, high, and then my energy would completely drop for like two or three days. And so I never scheduled any like important meetings or things. And I literally was following the moon and I didn't actually tell anyone at the time, but I was like, I'm not doing this <laughs> on that day because I know. I don't I need to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, um, it's amazing. It's very yeah. similar to the way we speak about my, and might not necessarily be the moon, but the menstrual cycle and that, you know, there are times of the menstrual cycle where we're high energy and feel good and can do hard sessions, but also from like a mental health aspect, we feel better, we feel more creative, we feel more intuitive. Um, and then there's times where we yeah want to like, and I definitely know like, you know, that week leading up to when my cycle starts again, I don't want to have any like really important meetings I don't want to do too much like engaging with other people I kind of just want to like go away and do my work and my by myself so it's really interesting that there is this like connection to the spiritual world and our physical bodies it just to me is evidence that it's we're all connected yeah yeah for sure I guess we're, we're flipping the switch a little bit here, but talking around athletes and identity, and it's all too often that as an athlete, we find ourselves falling into a place where our identity relies on our sport or with some people, it might be their career. Um, and the risk of doing this is obviously so high because we know if things don't go our way, we can completely lose our identity. What is your take on helping us women in particular build our identity away from what we do and more around who we are? Mm, I think it's vital. It's really, really important. So for that exact reason that our sense of self and our sense of fulfillment isn't hinging upon something that happens in the external world or a title that we achieve or yeah, status that we receive. And I think practices that get you really connected to yourself on the internal level I specifically love practices like journaling and meditation and also just spending time with self so maybe that's going out for a walk in nature no phone um maybe with your phone maybe it's just listening to music though it's not connecting with um others or needing to receive validation in some way it's just being with yourself I think is a really important practice to get into um, and also working with you know feelings that you want to embody each day is a really important thing I speak a lot about intention setting versus goal setting and I think both are really important but we have goals meaning external kind of destinations we want to reach and then our intention being the direction in which we follow to achieve them and it's about thinking of the qualities or the feelings that you want to achieve maybe thinking about what you will 
why a certain destination is calling you if, if you think that when I reach XYZ destination or when I become the top athlete I, I'll feel so much freedom and happiness start to cultivate feelings of freedom and happiness in your day now and in in small ways and I think when you do that you start to experience that fulfillment and that sense of you know success or, or freedom literally in the here and now moment and it's not going to fall away because you didn't get that certain title and what what's even better than that is that you'll, you'll probably start to find more positive things start to come onto your path you kind of naturally attract or reach those destinations but it's without so much of a push and it's without so much of a berating of yourself it's it's less stressful uh, because you're starting to do things like on those small in the on the small scale day to day and I think that yeah having positive happy days is much more important than having like a one-off kind of accolade or something mm. yeah definitely I think um what you said I relate to with trying to find the happiness outside of the sport in every day and there's this um this awesome mindset coach Ben Crow and he says to write a to-be list rather than a to-do list in the day yeah. and it's like I don't know to be an empathetic sister or to be a a hard worker or to be a committed partner like I just found that really beautiful and like what you said then really um was relatable in that sense and like try to find your happiness you know outside of trying to win something or get a time you know I've definitely been sucked into that in the past and it doesn't work because when you get there you just want to go faster anyway you know like it's not actually like an end point of being a happy person and being happy in who you are maybe it's cool that you've made that goal and you can be really proud of yourself but it doesn't define you and it's not who you are um we've got one more athlete question so athletes can also struggle with performance anxiety and expectations upon themselves as they're obviously putting a lot of pressure on their performance and um obviously they're very committed to that goal as well so um the practice of mindfulness is meant to really help what are your thoughts on mindfulness and where should one start if they wanted to get into it yeah mindfulness is an awesome practice and i think it sort of naturally drops you into that more process-oriented frame of mind versus the, the outcome or the goal. And I think that, you know, a practice of mindfulness, it's sometimes very frustrating. You might have heard of it where you pick up like a little raisin and you smell the raisin and you feel the raisin in your head. Or maybe, maybe chocolate's a bit more exciting. And then, you know, you put it in your mouth and you do something with like a lot of awareness. And I think those practices can be really lovely um but even just the the simple focus of your breath can be a really beautiful way to drop into mindfulness which you can incorporate you know waking up in the morning and could be three deep breaths you focus on or if you pour yourself a hot drink taking the time to kind of close your eyes as you as you sip that first you know mouthful of coffee or whatever it is it's just taking time to be really present i often find you know something that can be a bit of a challenge for people is to just sit and eat a meal a challenge for myself as well without having any distraction where it's just like okay I'm just going to sit and be present with this one thing in front of me and what's really interesting is that our undivided attention is one of the most beautiful gifts we can give people as well if we've got undivided attention on someone that's that's so incredibly powerful but also it's one of our most 
efficient weapons as well if we want to um, really achieve something being really attentive to that one and only thing is really important so I'd even say probably in an athlete's life building that mindfulness muscle would possibly actually really assist them in the way that they can be focused on, on what they're doing in their um, athletic challenge whatever it is but I think mindfulness in general absolutely is a really beautiful practice and probably does um, have a beautiful flow-on effect in feeling fulfilled in what you're doing and not having it always be hinged on that that achievement at the end of something Mm. yeah I definitely have found like different ways to practice mindfulness in some ways I think probably the more sitting still and doing nothing and disconnecting I found that a lot more challenging I've always said like running for me is one of my practices of mindfulness where I can just like go out especially if I'm running by myself and just be alone and be working through that repetitive motion of running. But definitely over the last few years, I've been running with my phone every time I go for a run and I'm still connected somewhat to that external world. So I think I'm going to set myself this goal of like leaving my phone at home on some runs just so I can actually like get a little bit deeper I guess into a mindfulness practice and then hopefully that will allow just sitting still by myself and my thoughts maybe a little bit easier because um I do find it hard but I know how beneficial it can be that's amazing and I think something like you know when we're in the shower we're probably I mean some people play music or bring your phone in but there's probably a time where it's slightly easier not to take your phone so I would say like okay let's just treat this shower as a really mindful exercise when that hot water, you know, it's something that's probably also quite pleasurable if you're maybe washing your hair and your hands and your hair and doing one of those kind of activities where maybe it's not such a, oh my gosh, stretch to leave your phone at home, even though I'd say 100% challenge yourself to do that and, you know, break that pattern. But I think doing something where it's maybe a, um, a step easier, like having a shower and being really mindful of that can also be a really nice way to just, ease yourself into the practice Mm. and on that you speak about your mission to bring more self-love to people by creating a stronger sense of self-awareness so what are some things and I'm sure mindfulness is included in this that we should be doing to help build that awareness of self yeah I think body mind techniques are really beautiful when you integrate the two so practices like you guys are into and physical practices like you mentioned foreman are are really beautiful things to do to build that sense of self-awareness. Um, I specifically really love, like I've already mentioned as well, meditation and journaling. Human design and astrology are two things I'm really passionate about because they also explore the deeper layers of who you are through slightly different means, through looking at you know your birth date, time and location and what that can say. And I, I think finding modalities that speak to you and resonate with you um even reading certain books like healing self-healing spiritual texts I think really um spark kind of aha moments inside that lead to profound self-realizations but but there are so many so many ways in which you can build self-awareness and I think it's about following the tools that really speak to you because you want to make it fun you want to make it exciting you don't want to make it like a chore Um, and I also think noticing how you show up 
in relationships with other people is actually a really, really profound way to build self-awareness because it's one of the quickest ways to kind of get a, a reflection of who you are, where you're being triggered in certain situations, whether it's with, you know, romantic partners, colleagues, family members, it doesn't really matter. All of these people that show up in our lives, in fact, all of our external experiences are our teachers to show, to reflect back where we can grow. I believe as souls, that's our, our one mission here is to evolve and to grow and to work through challenges. And we will be provided with those specific challenges that we need to grow, especially through our relationships and those close relationships to us will always have something that we can kind of take from them. And so just exploring where you are being triggered or where you feel level of challenge there's kind of a comfort zone you can you can lean on or nudge up against and just start to think okay how am I showing up in this situation what am I desiring from that person where can I give that to myself or how can I um, start to change how I show up and then notice that maybe the situation changes in front of me because we do actually have so much power when we do the work on ourselves um, and I think sometimes it's easier to just think we don't and to fall into kind of victim mentality and I can't do anything about it and I'm just going to blame this person or project out there but if we really take some accountability and look at how we're showing up I think there's so much growth that can be um yeah done through that mm. yeah I um listened to this podcast recently where um I actually felt so seen when I listened to it I was like, <laughs> I think it's definitely my ego in place. But he was talking about, um, it was with Stephen Bartlett on the Diary of a CEO. And the doctor who you're speaking to was explaining how when you're in a situation where you are feeling triggered or you're feeling like you are in the right and this other person is in the wrong, to hero that person and actually put them on a pedestal and wow. actually say to yourself, like, it's one thing to put yourself in their shoes, but putting yourself in their shoes and saying, if you were that person, you would have acted in exactly the same way. I think that allows for me personally to be like, could probably give them a little bit more credit and understand the situation in a different angle. And I, I don't know, I found that really interesting. And I think hearing stuff like that has definitely helped me become more self-aware because there's been situations where I felt I had been the victim and then understanding, you know, like that other person maybe was acting a particular way because of something I didn't even understand. Um, and I would have acted the same way if I was them too. I think it definitely allows me to let go of those things that I'm like still holding on to. Sorry, this is turning into an entire psychology session, but um, <laughs> I'm so here for it. <laughs> yeah, I found it really interesting. I will, I'll put that podcast in the show notes because it was actually a really, really good conversation. I actually, that's reminding me of the four agreements that I really love those as well when I'm in tricky situations of certain people coming back to, you know, everyone's doing the best that they can, don't make assumptions. Um, what's the other ones? Be impeccable with your word. And maybe it's don't make it personal. I can't remember the other one, mm. but not making assumptions and just realizing that everyone's doing the best um, that they can is something that allows me to feel more compassion for the other person. And then just thinking, what can I learn from this? Like how, how can I grow from this is always something that then puts me into more of the, the driver's seat. <laughs> I loved how you talked before about the teacher aspect and how every interaction with someone else teaches you something. Cause I think what Lids and I talked about last week, you know, obviously has shaped creating Femi, but then also has shaped how we both coach our athletes. So like I was literally talking to one of the 
the amazing woman that I coach and she was saying she listened to the podcast and she was crying and she was saying how both Lydia and I as coaches are completely the opposite of what that person was because of what we were taught by them and how we don't want to be like that you know and so I just really I love the way you said that then and every experience with another person can teach you so much it's really cool One final question. As women, we feel that the idea of successful females has been shaped over the years by society. What is your idea of success and how do you think we can find that inner happiness? Mm. So I don't define success as a certain destination or a certain title, but I think for me, it's about having really fulfilling days and like just truly feeling joy in every single moment or every single experience. So paying attention to the little things. Um, Days when I can express myself authentically is really, really important. I think one of the most draining things for my energy is if I, if I find myself being inauthentic. So making sure that in, in all situations, I'm able to be my authentic self and use my voice in an authentic way. Um, Laughing during the day, doing something that smiles during the day. Um, connecting with people or someone that I love is always really important as well. But in general, um, just really connecting to my heart and that that probably sounds very esoteric, but just doing something every day that allows me to feel really connected to my heart um, will enable me to feel success. That's beautiful. Um, so we've got two quick fire questions before we wrap up. The first one being, what would you tell your younger self? So your 10, 15 year old self. Um, even the masters are imperfect at something. <laughs> yeah, I love that. True. Yeah. We are all imperfect, but we're trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and last question is, what do you think your purpose is on Mother Earth? to heal and I and that's to heal myself and to assist others in healing themselves as well I don't believe I can heal people I think everyone can heal themselves but I'd love to be able to facilitate that for other people as well that's so good yeah well you're definitely doing that Hannah thank you so much we appreciate your time so much where can people find you on Instagram on Instagram it's Hannah Crera We also share Hannah's profile in the show notes. You can go ahead and follow because Hannah put some incredible content up that I find just super inspiring and educating as well. So thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, we appreciate it so much and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Love you girls. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you.